0: Go deep enough into the Internet, and you're sure to find a number of conspiracy theories on just about anything and everything. These narratives can sometimes be more innocuous, such as the bizarre Internet theory that singer Avril Lavigne died in 2003 and was replaced by a body double. But they can also be dark and dangerous, often downplaying mass tragedies as staged or unfairly targeting specific groups of people by religion or race. But one thing these theories all have in common, they lack any substantial evidence and fall under a broader category of misinformation. While these wild narratives may seem to be a new phenomenon, cultural historian and writer Colin Dickey argues that they've been a recurring theme in our culture for many years. His new book, Under the Eye of Power, How Fear of Secret Societies Shapes American Democracy, chronicles the history of conspiracy theories in America. But what exactly is a conspiracy theory? And why does it have the potential to develop into something so dangerous? Dickey says to answer this question, it's key to understand the difference between a conspiracy theory and an actual conspiracy.
1: When I started looking at the difference between conspiracies and conspiracy theories, I tried to focus on actual conspiracies as a benchmark, You know, things like Watergate or Rank Contra, something like that. And usually with an actual conspiracy, there is a specific crime that they're trying to accomplish. And there's almost always sort of low-level functionaries who are involved because these things take a lot of people. And once you start poking around in it, once you start asking questions, the conspiracy unravels pretty quickly.
0: Dickey notes that these conspiracies tend to eventually fall apart because of the number of people involved in the cover up. And if you zoom out further, there are likely people who are creating theories on these conspiracies.
1: A conspiracy theory, on the other hand, tends to be something which is much wider in scope. It is not just a specific crime that's being committed, it's an idea that there is a whole network of actors who are controlling world events. So it gets very wide in scope, and it's also incredibly difficult to detect. And it's so hidden and subterranean that there's always an excuse for why it can't be unearthed or something like that.
0: For example, his book covers several conspiracy theories about rumored secret societies. In particular, he hones in on groups that are believed to be controlling the U.S. government from the shadows. These theories have long been around, but they're now becoming more popular thanks to a more divided media landscape and greater coverage from social media platforms like TikTok and Facebook.
1: We're moving away from kind of mainstream news to partisan news. You know, the internet is becoming less and less reliable than it was even a few years ago. You know, it's really incumbent upon us to both be vigilant about this. And I think For me, the solution is as much trying to understand what is driving people to embrace these conspiracy theories rather than simply just trying to, you know, yell facts at them. I think the facts are vitally important, but it is usually not facts which persuade people. It's understanding uh, what the kind of emotional and existential benefit is for them in believing this conspiracy theory and focusing on that instead.
0: New technology may also increase the spread of misinformation and conspiracy theories. Algorithmic news feeds on social media recommend content for users based on what they want to see, which can reinforce pre-existing beliefs. On top of this, generative artificial intelligence technology like ChatGPT also poses a very real
2: threat. What generative AI has the potential to do is reduce the costs for bad actors whether it's them simply to make money out of clicks and eyeballs or to influence people because of politics or other types of issues, whatever the goal is it allows bad actors to create false and misleading content that is very persuasive because of its audio and visual components at a much lower cost and a much rapid time.
0: That's Dr. Eric Nisbet, the O.N.L. Kuhn Professor of Policy Analysis and Communication at Northwestern University. His research focuses on misinformation and its effects on elections and democracy in general. As misinformation and conspiracy theories evolve, some experts are worried about the effect this may have on next year's presidential election. Nisbet says one of the biggest factors to look out for is the ongoing threat of AI-generated deep fakes.
2: A deepfake is employing technology, modified video, modified images to take something, modify sometimes a real piece of video, a real image that actually took place, and modifying it to be false or misleading. It could be changing the words that someone says. It could be even placing in a figure, a political figure, into a scene or situation which never occurred splicing them in, creating videos that seem real and are factual, but are completely
1: made up.
0: Dickey agrees that these new technologies will increase the spread of misleading information.
1: One of the things about AI is, again, where we're heading with that is the fact that these things are not intelligent. They're just sort of, you know, text predicting mechanisms, and thus they spew falsehoods and misinformation by course because they don't think and they don't research and they're not a substitute for Google or Wikipedia. But they are going to increasingly corrupt and corrode the availability of you know factual and objective information on the web. And I think that is going to just further enable people. I think there's a large segment of people who benefit from there not being a single objective source that people can consult on the internet. So we're in for uncertain times.
0: But Why are these AI-generated forms of misinformation so much more of a problem than, say, a fake newspaper headline? Nisbet says the answer lies in how we process and react to information
2: as humans. How people respond to and process content, it matters. So, you know, text content is less impactful as more immersive when it's audiovisual. Just like the difference between reading a newspaper and watching TV news, right? We get a lot more cues. It's more immersive. There's often it can reduce counter-arguing. It can be much more emotional. People have a much more emotional reaction to audiovisual content.
0: Both Nisbet and Dickey agree that this emotional element is a key reason why these theories are able to spread so rapidly.
1: People that i've talked to and i've known who've sort of fallen down these rabbit holes they're usually looking for something they're looking for some reassurance or confirmation or something that makes them feel a certain way about the world and a conspiracy theory will offer that and so it's always worth asking what is that thing that they want to believe and sometimes they're looking for community sometimes they're looking for empowerment it's really a question of trying to understand what it is that is motivating them on a kind of existential and emotional level And then figuring out, is there a way to address that?
0: Because someone may have a strong emotional response to a story they think is real, they're more likely to share it.
2: If something seems very emotional, the content, or just seems, violates your expectations, take a minute to stop, right? If you see a candidate do something truly outlandish, take a minute to question that and double check. Don't accept it on face value. I think the key thing is that we don't want to be cynical, but we want to make sure that we don't accept everything at face value, but that increases the cost of doing so, and not everyone does. And our human biases are to make these quick, rapid decisions, often emotional about what's true or not. So it's sort of almost like a gut check, right? Really? Is that true? Maybe I should double check before I share it.
0: Nisbet also stresses the importance of using reliable sources for your news and information.
2: Be wary of the source who is sharing it or who's presenting it to you and why, whether it's a friend, whether it's a family member, whether it's a website you've never heard about. So don't take things at face value, right? Really understand the source of that information. Rely on more credible sources. There's a great deal of partisanship and polarization around the media. But the Wall Street Journal is a credible source and it leans right. There are credible right-leaning sources and credible left-leaning sources, like center left, center right. Rely on those.
0: So, as next year's election creeps closer, don't forget to dig deeper into what you see at surface level. For more tips on how to separate fact from fiction, head to ViewpointsRadio.org for a more expansive list of resources. You can also find out more about our guests, Dr. Eric Nisbet and Colin Dickey, on our website. This segment was written by our associate producer, Tabor Brewster. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. Our studio production manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. Coming up next week. Our kids today are getting messages from the media, from their peers, from their peers, parents, teachers, coaches to achieve, to achieve, to achieve. With so much pressure, when is
1: there time to enjoy being young? Then. The problem is not with the technology, but the planning for end of life. And one of the challenges that we see is 90% of end of life panels end up in the landfill.
0: America's growing solar panel problem. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Viewpoints for this week.